Welcome to Digication Scholars Conversations. I'm your host, Kelly Driscoll. In this episode, you'll hear part one of my conversation with Allison Carson from Manhattanville College. More links and information about today's conversation can be found on Digication's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Full episodes of Digication Scholars Conversations can be found on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. Welcome to Digication Scholars Conversations. I'm your host, Kelly Driscoll, and today I am so excited to introduce my guest, Allison Carson. Allison Carson is a professor of psychology and associate provost for academic innovation and design thinking, overseeing the Center for Design Thinking at Manhattanville College. Welcome, Allison. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here with you, Kelly. Yes. So, Allison, the last time we had a chance to talk, you were in a different role at Manhattanville, and I think we were probably spending some time at the Digication booth, maybe at AACNU. Does that sound right to you? (laughs) Yeah, I think so. So you've been on quite a journey since we last saw each other. And I'm so excited yep. to have you here today to, to catch up on everything that you've been up to since then. And I know you moved into this role of uh, associate provost, I believe, at the beginning of 2020, right before things got really, really Pretty much. Yeah, it was... Uh... <laughs> July 2019, I took on a role of um, associate provost. I had been, um, my my area is cultural psychology and had been a professor here at Manhattanville for about, I think it was about 16 years. Mm. Um, and during that 16 years, um, I, that, that was when it was in that role that I really became aware of ePortfolio. And, um, and of course, we moved as a campus, we became a Digication campus. But um, in my commute today, thinking about this conversation that we were going to have, I was thinking, really, the time that I spent learning about ePortfolios and working with Digication on our campus, I think has a lot to do with why I ended up in the role that I ended up in, Not all, just the experience and the things that really became clear that are important to me. Um, so I, my role, it's, you know, I think as associate provost in general wear several hats, but my primary role is the director of our Center for Design Thinking, which opened its doors in September 2019. And then we had to close doors just like everybody yeah. else around the country yeah. in March 2020. Um, my primary job within that role is to develop an awareness and appreciation for design thinking among our students and faculty on our campus and to make connections with our larger sort of the community around Manhattanville and identify opportunities for learning about design thinking there as well. Um, The exciting thing is that over the last two years, I I am now able to officially announce that we have a certificate for design thinking at the college, which makes us pretty much one of the only, certainly locally, but they're yeah, we're really excited. There's there are not that many certificates in design thinking around, um, and particularly at a, a small liberal arts college like ourselves. Um, so we're really it's brand new. We just got approved by the state. 
literally a few weeks ago. So um, we're really looking forward to, um, you know, finding out where the student interest is. We have had um, courses in design thinking before. Well, now we have to, we have courses, but now they add up to a certificate. Um, and our first, our primary course is called Designing for Change. And so we are really trying to teach design thinking as a methodology towards social innovation, social impact, um, really working to empower students um, to make change in their own contexts. Excellent. Yeah. So in at Manhattanville, in the center, how is the student kind of first introduced to this whole concept of design thinking? Well, hopefully there are a lot of different potential touch points. That's one of the things I've been really working on. So I um, push into a lot of classes and um, introduce students to what is design thinking and help them to understand why it's something that they would be interested in. Um, we talk a lot about the skills that are developed through participation in design thinking. Um, I think of design thinking very much as a sort of a, a kind of project-based learning. So you're really learning by doing. Um, it's way, the way that we teach our design thinking courses. Um, and so that's a potential touch point for students. Um, we Every fall, one of the things that we've been doing is we have a fall design challenge where we bring in, um, not bring in, but it's a community-wide event. Um, it's been virtual so far, but um, it is faculty, staff, students and alums who come together on, on teams and we take people through the design thinking process addressing a particular campus problem or issue. Um, most recently this fall, we focused on, um, you know, we last year, most of our students were online, not all of them, but most of our students were online. And so as we came back together this fall, fully face-to-face, -face, how do we reconnect ourselves as a community? So that was really the challenge that we were working around. Um, and people came up with really, really amazing ideas of ways to um, connect across not, not only the campus, but across different roles. Um, I think like many campuses, being virtual for such a long time has really left us a little disconnected, right? Not, mm -hmm. not really um, seeing each other the way that we used to when we were really fully embodied people. <laughs> So um, I think it's it's been it was a really wonderful way to establish reestablish ourselves in in community and get to know each other again. Excellent. Yeah. What what were some of the things that you remember that students um, had ideas about how to build back that that community piece? So. From, and it's always interesting the different how different people have different focuses, right? So mm -hmm. staff were particularly interested in how do how do we um, as staff members um, be participate in campus in, in really important campus events or in, in important campus. Um, we're working on a strategic plan right now. So one of the th conversations that happened a lot is how do we as, as staff feel like we're really engaged and part of our campus community and feeling valued um, mm -hmm. with the ideas that we bring to the table. Students were very interested in 
really kind of having a better understanding about what's going on on campus. Um, so the primary idea that came out of one of the groups was developing an app that is not only about um, events, because we do have that, but it's aggregating everything in one place, which is something mm. that um, is always an issue for us on our campus. And um, being able to then connect with people who are like yourself. So if you, so it would kind of provide um, almost recommendations about things that you like based on your past, the past events that you participated in, but also connecting you to um, people who are also going to those things that are like, that you've also liked. So it was a really neat um, app. The, the trick has always been people can come up with great ideas, but how do we, you know, working to implement these yeah. and, um, that's always been, I, I find, a little bit harder because it requires um, certainly a budget and a specific <laughs> skill set, especially if you're talking about developing apps. So that's so. So that's been really a great way of connecting the. Other thing, so we here at Manhattanville are actually three schools. We have a school of nursing, we have a school of education, and then our undergraduate school of arts and science. Um, and because I'm an associate provost, I over, I am sort of a, not above because that's the wrong word, but I have oversight across the three schools. I'm not within one of the schools. And mm -hmm. that's been really exciting from a design thinking perspective because it really helps me to, I get to talk to faculty and students in the School of Education and, and, and connect with them about how they see connections with design thinking. So um, there I've been talking with faculty and thinking about design th thinking as actually a way of um, a model for curriculum design. And so we've been really doing some deep dives there. Um, within nursing, um, design thinking is actually really hot right now. And design thinking in healthcare is really hot. So thinking about how to actually build design thinking into our new nursing um, program. So we just got approved for a, a master's in um called a Master's of Science Nurse Leader. And we've built in design thinking into that um, program so that when you graduate with that master's degree, you know about design thinking, you've had practice in design thinking, and you can go back and you have actually completed um, a project using design thinking to make change within your work context. So we're really excited about that. Oh, I would love to hear what that process has been like, I think, for a number of people, if you're not really involved in that field, you might not understand how design thinking could even play a role in the nursing or, or medical field. So what was the process like as you started to kind of incorporate that into the, the school there? So first, it was a lot of learning on my, my side, you know, making sure that I understood um, what the what the curricula are that they're working on in that school. And it's a brand new school, actually. So um, they started pretty much right around the same time that our Center for Design Thinking started, actually. So it's been a really nice collaborative mm -hmm. relationship with the dean of that school. Um, then I, I um, really started to read a lot about nursing and innovation and the ways in which um, it's valuable to empower nurses to identify when things aren't working and then empower them to actually try to make change in those in their own context. So again, I still see design thinking very much as sort of an empowering process of problem solving. Um, 
And so we always start with observation and nurses are great observers to seeing, you know, when a process is working or not, or when a product that they're using with a patient is working or not. Mm -hmm. Um, And then helping them to articulate that particular problem and then providing them with the skills and resources to ultimately come up with potential solutions and then how to implement that through prototyping and testing. Um, so there are there are a number of hospitals and even uh, insurance companies now that have their own innovation labs within the hospital space, uh, and sometimes this is around patenting and 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 um, you know licensure around specific things that have been. Um, created within the hospital space, but a lot of the time it's really just about improving the processes and products that are being used um, within the hospital space. So um, it's been really exciting to learn a lot about that. It certainly was not something, as a cultural psychologist, learning about healthcare is, is it certainly was new, but it's, it, it's been really fun to learn new things. Yeah. And I, you know, just hearing you speak about this, it's so, I think for many of us, you know, reading the news about what's happening in hospitals across the country, just, you know, knowing that students that are preparing to go into nursing um, are being equipped these skills to advocate for what's working and not working, um, because it sounds like in many hospitals today, they may not have had that background Mm -hmm. and gone through this kind of process and I know have been feeling quite stuck and and frustrated and not heard so it's exciting to hear that there's opportunities like that in school now to prepare them for really having that voice and being able to communicate where changes need to happen yeah yeah absolutely Um, so th- that's very exciting here. So when you were working at the School of Nursing, it sounds like that was relatively new. Um, how did that process maybe differ a bit from how you were helping with some of the curriculum changes that might have been happening in the other schools? So it was very different um, in the sense that because the curricula, because the school was so new, we were building curriculum from the ground up. Um, and developing new degrees, whereas um, I'll use the School of Arts and Science as, a, as an example. There, the curricula for various programs already existed, and um, it was working with faculty to help them think about what is design thinking and is there space in their classes and their programs for this additional component. And truth be told, that was a lot more difficult. Um, you know, I think when it's hard, change is hard, and it's it's especially hard when um, what you're asking faculty to do is something that's new to them. And so a lot of my work really was around um, helping people to understand what is design thinking, um, how can design thinking, are there opportunities for design thinking to connect with what it is that you're already doing in the classroom? Um, what are the ways in which you're already doing this, but just using a different language? That was one of the ways in which I think um, really became clear that many faculty are already doing really innovative things in their classes, and they are already looking at how do I take this problem and solve it, or how do I develop solutions around this disciplinary issue. Um, But they just weren't using the language of design thinking. So then it was conversations around, is it valuable to use this particular language? Um, 
And is it valuable for our students to begin to make the connections that they're using this process in this class, but there's also pieces of the process that they're in this class, in this class, in this class. So really trying to um, help our faculty see opportunities, but also make the connections for students and that experience that they're having across their classes. So um, that has been slow, but sure. Uh, we have more and more faculty who are using design thinking in their classes. And one of the things I like to talk about is that you don't have to use design thinking as a process from beginning to end. It doesn't have to be a semester long project. We, we do that with our courses in the certificate. Um, within their individual classes, it might be that they're focusing on prototyping, or it might be that they're focusing on understanding what empathy is and, and really digging deep into um, perspective taking. Um, so, you know, helping faculty think about maybe there's space for this in one assignment um, versus an entire semester, and that's, that's absolutely fine. Um, again, for me, the important thing is that students can take our courses in design thinking and then also take um, sports studies and ethics, for example, and see that em empathy can be applied in a variety of, of, of contexts, and it's not just about... Um, it's not just about the, the, the research angle that we talk about it in terms of our, our design research classes, but it is also about how do I understand multiple perspectives if I'm thinking about this ethical issue? And how do I think about what that person is thinking about and maybe try to put myself into their shoes? So um, that's been really fun. Um, and it's been a... Um, it's been a it's been empathy work of my own in the sense that I have to make sure I understand for faculty what I'm asking them to do. It's a heavy lift to do something new and change things mm -hmm. around. Mm -hmm. um, so, and and especially especially over the last two years during COVID, when we're all our faculty are already doing so much in terms of pivoting classes to online and thinking carefully about how this online envi environment is very different from the classroom and supporting our students' emotional and mental health needs. Um, and, um, right. you know, we're also making a big push at the college around experiential learning. So trying to help faculty think about, well, can, can we think about design thinking as a kind of experiential learning? And so, so there is sort of this means to an end that gets us where they need to go as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I was thinking about that when we were getting ready for our conversation today, too, that, you know, in this role um, during this time, you do have this incredible opportunity to provide support and open up those lines of thinking in a way that I imagine many faculty members are finding helpful um, because changes have probably needed to be made. And just knowing that there was this process that they could step through to do that and that there was someone there that was going to, I don't know if you kind of call them the, yourself their mentor, kind of coach through that process. But I imagine, you know, anytime things can start to feel chaotic, having that kind of structured process that you can lean on can be enormously helpful because, I mean, the fact of the matter is that everyone had to change, right? Whether it was going to be hard or not. Um, so I'm curious if there was a specific um, kind of 
a course or even assignment that you can recall where someone may have been using this new process and was having that kind of um, maybe light bulb moment or revelation that, that it was really working for them. (laughs) Can you recall a a moment like that working with um, a faculty member as they were doing some of that um, maybe assignment redesign or project redesign? You know, I think um, in our design thinking classes and in my support of faculty, we do talk a lot about empathy as being one of the things that sets design thinking apart from other um, methods in the sense that um, Mm -hmm. if you're trying to understand a particular problem or solve a particular problem, you have to understand the problem from the point of view of the person who's actually experiencing that problem. Um, And so... I'm thinking of a project that I was working with with a faculty member from music technology where he was going to have some students develop some online tutorials around a topic that has traditionally been difficult in that particular class. And um, so he asked me to come in and just do a little bit of work with the class around design thinking. And we really started talking about, well, who are these um, online Um, tutorials for? Who are they supposed to help? And once the students were able to identify the audience, then we started talking about, well, maybe you need to go talk to some of those people and understand exactly where it is that they're getting tripped up on this issue or this topic. where where is where is the trouble where are those trouble spots for these students and through talking through that and then actually having them go out and do some interviews around you know people who have previously been in the class having them um under you know talk through where the trouble lies they were able to really pinpoint a much better and create a much better tutorial as a result of that and i think that was one example of where um you know thinking carefully about the problem, not from my point of view, but from the point of view of somebody who has experienced this particular challenge, um, is sort of fundamental to one of the things that I think has been very helpful. Um, We teach a course called Designing for Change. It's our introduction to design thinking course. And um, we spend a lot of time talking about empathy and how to ultimately methods around developing empathy and really thinking carefully about how to make sure that the assumptions that I have about a particular problem are not what is leading the charge that I'm really focusing on and bringing to the center, the voices of those people who are experiencing the issue. And one of the ways that we do that is that we've been using a client model. And so, excuse me, each um, within each class, there are small teams of students who work directly with an on-campus client. So the first course, we, we don't have external clients, we use internal clients. So for example, um, we our Center for Inclusion on campus um, has served as a client. And we have students who are specifically working with the Center for Inclusion. And the Center for Inclusion brings to those students, says, look, we have, and I'll just be very specific, we have a, um, it's called Enville First. It's a scholarship program for first-generation college students. And they wanted mm-hmm. to know, how are we doing with this program? Are we, are we going in the right direction or are there things that we should be changing? So our design thinking team that was working with the Center for Inclusion 
did a whole semester's work of talking to those students who are in the first in, in MVIL first, who are members of that scholarship program, um, really developing empathy with why they're there, the value of the program, the kinds of um, things that they're thinking about. And they developed some really wonderful insights into the experience of these students. Um, as someone who was not first generation college, um, I look at these students and I'm excited for them and I'm really, I'm so glad that they're here at the college and I'm really happy that they're contributing and, and participating. And they said, you know what, sometimes it's a bit of a stigma to be the first generation college student. So I don't always identify myself that way. And I don't always um, mm -hmm. highlight the fact that I'm a member of this scholarship program. And that was a really important insight for the students to recognize that maybe we need to be thinking about real identity issues as we're thinking about the scholarship program, that it's not just a scholarship program and it's not just programming, that these are real identity issues that we need to be thinking about. Um, so that to me is another way in which um, you know, I think that empathy work has been really important, that it's not about what we think is going on. It is really about centering the voices of those people who are experiencing the issue, the problem, the challenge, the experience themselves. Yeah. So how are you able to kind of gather those narratives from the students about their experience to kind of have that, that level of empathy? It's not always easy. Um, students, one thing that we're finding is that there is a lot of anxiety over talking to people. Um, and I think that's probably been exacerbated mm -hmm. by COVID for sure. Um, and so we do a lot of prep in class about, um, not only what kinds of questions you want to ask and, um, the kinds of, and how to ask them. And we talk about establishing rapport with your, the person that you're speaking to. We also spend a lot of time thinking carefully about how to talk about a topic with someone who may be different than yourselves. Um, so when we start mm -hmm. thinking about issues of identity, and if, if I am not a person who is a first generation college student, and I'm talking to a person who is, um, how do I make sure that I am not putting my own assumptions or even judgments about that topic onto a person while we're talking to them? How am I making sure that I'm letting their voice come through? How am I making sure that I am privileging that voice instead of my own thinking about this topic? Um, so we spend time thinking about um, identity. We spend time thinking about positionality um, and how to um, ultimately co-design. How could we actually invite students who are part of that um, scholarship program to be part of the, the not decision-making, but part of the process around designing what a better program would look like? Um, that all takes a lot of time and um, students are taking four or five classes a semester so that it's been a challenge. But what we have been hearing from students is that they are not taking any other classes like this. Um, they are really finding that working with a client um, where you are. I, I always borrow Randy Bass's notion of an authentic audience. Um, that you are mm -hmm. working with someone that you feel truly accountable to. They feel, they feel far more accountable to um, 
the staff at the Center for Inclusion than they do to me as their professor. And um, they ultimately Mm -hmm. feel more accountable to the students that they've been talking to who are also members of that scholarship program. And that really contributes to the time and energy and amount of work that they are willing to put towards the project. And I think a, a great sense of fulfillment that they have as well by the end of the semester. Yeah, I mean, it's such an incredible opportunity for them to be able to create those relationships. And I think that that's what the big motivating pieces for them, right? Once they have that relationship established, I imagine, you know, they, they want to do anything to try to provide or serve or support the, the individuals that they're working directly with. Um, yeah. And, and I think it, it's they, so wonderful that they have a chance to do that while they're, they're still in school. And we talk a lot about the ways in which working with a client, whether it's on campus or off campus, is also really important work getting them ready for when they graduate. Um, under, mm-hmm. Being accountable to someone that is not your professor, um, developing professionalism and um professional skills about making sure that you're communicating well and that you're sharing information well and you're on time. Um, All of those professional skills that really get students ready for um, life after graduation, I I actually think is a really important part um, of the work we do in this class. The other thing that... um, And Kelly, you would recognize this right away. The other thing that I think is really fun to watch them learn about is that, and it happened with this group that I'm talking about specifically, that what your client wants and what your users need are often two very different things. And um, (laughs) negotiating that... And having that experience to talk about with a potential employer when you're going out on the job market is huge to be able to say, I, you know, I've had to communicate some pretty hard things um, and sort of yeah. wrestle with, with how to communicate in a way that is both respectful, but also uh, telling it like it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... And honestly, I, yeah, and you were saying I would recognize that too. And I think that that's probably one of the very fun things about what I get to do. <laughs> you know, I think, and many of your students may find that they really enjoy those mm-hmm. kinds of conversations, um, even though they they may not be the easy ones. I think that they can be very fulfilling when you can find that you can create that kind of commonality and, and get to the root of what people are really needing. And, you know, it goes back to that design thinking, you know, Mm -hmm. you, you may come at something with an idea, but there's this whole learning process that surrounds that and iterations and trying things and failing a few times Mm -hmm. and then starting to see some success and, you know, staying on a course and getting feedback and turning around and doing things over and over again. Um, And I feel like, you know, with um, being in art and design school, we, we went through that when I was in college, you know, over and over again, whether it was um, in class project that we were just doing for the day 
or something that we were doing for an entire semester. Um, but at the time, they didn't really talk about what that process was. There, there was not a conversation that we were going through design thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were designing and creating things. So it's just been fascinating for me to watch as um, the conversation about what that process really is has become much more transparent mm-hmm. for the students that are involved in it. And I think that it does empower them to know that that's something that they can really draw from again in the context of work that they may be doing after graduation, as well as any of the kind of service learning or experiential learning opportunities that they may have on, on campus. You said earlier, um, feeling a sense of comfort in being able to lean on the process. And um, I think mm-hmm. that is very true, um, or at least it's a way I hope, I hope our students are, are feeling, at least by the end of the semester, that, that it's not serendipitous, right? I mean, if, if you don't actually put process or some structure to the process, it feels like it's not rec- repeatable. Um, and mm-hmm. once we uh, sort of expose the, the structure of the process, it feels like, okay, I can actually move through this by myself and do this again um, while applying it to something else. Um, I just want to note that, you know, it really was through the work that we've done around ePortfolio that has helped me to, um, and this goes back to 2010 when we first started work with Mm -hmm. ePortfolio. It's been a little while. (laughs) Yeah, through, uh, we were doing our, we were, working with um, Brett Einan and, and um, LaGuardia Community College at Making Connections, and that's how we met you. Um, but it was through that work that we really became aware of this idea of process over product, that it's really about thinking mm-hmm. about how you get somewhere and not necessarily where you end up, although, of course, there's value to that as well. But um, with with paying paying much more attention to the process than I ever particularly did prior to that work. Um, and that's very much carried over into the work that I do with design thinking. It is it is really about the process and how you work the process. Um, and I think a lot about the skills that you develop as, as a function of participating in the process, um, that it's a real practice, like reflection, right? I think, you know, that's the other piece that I think has been such an interesting thing for me in working with ePortfolios, not, it was not only about process, but it was about reflecting on that process and, and recognizing how far we've come and the things that I've learned and, and learning about myself and what I've learned about myself as a learner. Um, that role of reflection and design thinking is, is really embedded there too, that you're not going to be able to, that, yeah. that fundamental to understanding somebody else is understanding yourself. Um, to thinking about, you know, whether this is going to work, you know, if you're thinking about new uh, prototyping and testing, it's reflection and figuring out what pieces of this you want to test. And so it's, it's been really fun for me to be thinking and, and reflect on um, all the things that I learned along in, during our ePortfolio journey that really have carried through and are very much threads, strong threads of the work that I continue to do around design thinking. This concludes part one of our conversation with Allison Carson from Manhattanville College. 
To hear part two, be sure to subscribe to Digication Scholars Conversations on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Digication Scholars Conversations is brought to you by Digication, a technology platform powering the most innovative ePortfolio programs in K-12 and higher education. Our website can be found at digication.com. This episode was produced by Drew Albanicius and Kelly Driscoll. Thanks for listening.